This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Erin Billings and I am your host. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Becca Robinson, a writer, award-winning artist, executive coach, and guide for those looking to connect deeply to meaning outside of religion and find ways to reclaim their sense of self and power. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Touchy Subjects podcast. Today I am here with Becca Robinson and I'm so excited for this conversation. I am just so thankful that you are here, Becca, with us because I've been following you for a while and I absolutely love your content. Thank you. I'm excited. If you wouldn't mind, just introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are um, so that they can get to know you and love you. (laughs) Yeah, no pressure. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Becca Robinson. Uh, I work in this deconstruction space, but I actually really am passionate about the reconstruction side of things. Uh, so I call my journey a journey of reclamation, all the things I've been reclaiming since leaving an organized religion and just really kind of navigating, discovering my spirituality and my connection to myself and navigating the world as a woman in her thirties, that's just now figuring some of this stuff out. So I share all of that on Instagram and in a podcast and it's been mm, maybe about five years of sharing online the last two, the most openly. And it's just been this incredible experience of creating and storytelling and connecting with other people. Like this is such an, a niche life experience to have, uh, of growing up, not only in a religion, but like for me specifically, like in American evangelical Christianity, it's like even more niche. Right. And so it's like so nice to get to connect with people who understand all of the weird things that we have to go through to come out of that and reclaim all of these different things for ourselves. Yes. And you and I were raised Church of God. So that was like an instant connection for us Mm -hmm. because uh, the Church of God is very niche in and of itself. And they have their quirks. (laughs) Their quirks are like, I mean, yeah, it's Pentecostal for anybody not familiar. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, they have songs, the Church of God is right. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Like, who does that? (laughs) So it's, you know, it's it's weird. It's borderline culty. Let's just call it what it is. It's, It's intense. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And, uh, it's just, Whenever you meet somebody who's left that world, it's like an instant connection because it's like, oh, my God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it at all. And I love that yes. about this deconstruction space. Um, and I know that you mm-hmm. mentioned that you're more about the like reconstruction and um, the reclamation of basically your belief mm-hmm. system. But would you mind sharing your deconstruction mm-hmm. to reconstruction story so that everybody can kind of know where you are and kind of what you came out of? Mm-hmm. I'll give a Cliff's Notes version yeah. because that could take our whole time. But I grew up uh, evangelical in the Pentecostal Church of God denomination. 
I mean, for, I was the story that so many of us share of like saved by it when I was five, you know, like I just don't remember a time before the church was a part of my childhood. Um, my parents had grown up as hippies and really wild and they had this very intense, um, salvation experience with the church and it like their whole life was about Jesus and this narrative. Like my mom used to answer the phone. Good, good morning. Jesus loves you. <laughs> to Everybody that called. She's so Aww. embarrassed about it now. She's like, I was that person. It's so embarrassing, but like <laughs> they were in it. And so I was in it and, um, I grew up in that. I was heavily involved all through like youth programs. I, was involved in music uh, to the point that then in college I was doing music ministry. So in college I joined, it was a non-denominational organization and I was in leadership for music there. And I did that all through college. Um, in fact, I thought I was going to be, I thought music was going to be my life. I had people prophesy over me saying music was going to be my life. I had basically, I imagined that I was going to be like touring with passion. That was like what I had in my mind for myself. And after graduating the, the band that I was in got hired to be like the music pastors, like the music minister, they hired a band instead of one person for an, a non-denominational church. So I did that also. So I was on staff for a few years there. So, um, my whole growing up though, I always felt, even though I like, it's so hard because I really loved being involved in the church when I was young. Like I loved the music. I loved the community. I loved that sense of belonging and certainty and all of it. Like, I mean, we were, we were that family that's there at Sunday morning at 5am doesn't leave until one, then, then comes back Sunday night, then is there Wednesday. And again on Tuesday for choir rehearsal. I mean, it was like our whole life. And I really just, did love you it. You just but, spoke my whole childhood. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was our life. And then I, you know, being in ministry as an adult, it was the same thing. I just lived it and breathed it. Um, I had always felt though I had, there was like a disconnect within me and I always felt a little bit like I was the odd man out internally, but, um, externally I would never say that or show that. And so, um, I, when I was in my early twenties, like right after college, I made a choice that I wanted to leave the marriage that I was in and the community I was a part of was not supportive of that choice. And I tell my whole story in depth on, uh, in our podcast. So if anyone's listening they're like, I need the details of this. It's mm -hmm. there. But, uh, when that whole thing unfolded, I just, I was kind of, kicked out of the community and it created the space for me to start to ask questions and to wonder and to really look at things like I had just never had that space because we were always in it. And that was really the big impetus of my deconstruction. That was over 10 years ago. So it was like this long, like this 10 year tearing apart of these towers that had been built, these structures of my worldview and my life and my belief system. Um, and then once I kind of felt safe and secure outside of the church, which was its whole journey through fear and belonging and all of that, once I kind of felt like, okay, I'm okay outside of it. But then it was like, 
But then what else? And so this is why I'm so passionate about the reconstruction side and the reclamation side, because I think that the deconstruction community is incredible. And like all of the meme accounts and everything got me through so many hard times, but I, I was left feeling like, but then what? And I didn't have a lot of resources for the then what? And so my passion in this space now is to be the then what person. It's like, okay, you got through the anger phase, you got through the joking phase, but like, and now you feel okay. But like, now what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you figure out what you believe? How do you figure out what feels good to you? Like when you start, when you move from deconstruction to, I call it reclamation, but it's just a reconstructing of your beliefs. It's like this resurgence of all of the negative emotion comes back. It's like, there's fear again. You don't know, like, you don't know how to explain things. You're like, am I just substituting one label for another? There's so much. So, um, working with people through that, writing about it, joking about it, um, creating resources for it is something that I've, I find a lot of joy in doing. And that's actually how we connected over all of this because, once I had kids, the holidays became a very high tension time for me because I grew up with the Easter story and the, you know, Palm Sunday, uh, passion of the Christ Easter story and the nativity story being the hallmarks of those two holidays. And when me and my husband were, you know, we had left that, but we didn't really replace it with anything else. And I just felt like all that was left for me was just like this cartoon consumer version of a holiday. And I personally wanted the nostalgia and the depth and the significance and the meaning that I missed from that childhood version of the holidays, but without all the dogma and without that one narrative. And so I kind of went on this like multi-year journey. I call it reclaiming rituals of like looking at all of those holiday rituals and traditions that felt the most nostalgic and beautiful to me and finding a way to reclaim them outside of the passion story and outside of the nativity story so that I could for myself find a way to really enjoy the holidays in a beautiful, deep, rich, meaningful way, but also give my kids a sense of connectedness and, you know, gratitude and paying attention and, all of that that wasn't linked to one specific religious story or to just the Santa Easter bunny consumerism. I needed something in between. So that's how I ended up in this kind of spot now. No, no, no. I, I love that. Uh, I love that. Well, I love that you're going to be with us for a deconstructed holiday and talking about reclaiming yes. those rituals, because I think it is so important for those that choose to leave the church or the faith, you know, these holidays can still be impactful. They can still be a time of love and hope for people. And it doesn't have to include the dogma of religion. And, you know, the fact that you're sharing that, I, I just love it. How would you tell a parent that's out there that's listening just from your own experience you know, how, what would be the first steps of maybe trying to get a new tradition for the holidays? What, what would you think would be a good tip for somebody that they can take away uh, just from listening to this episode uh, of how they could, you know, potentially try something new at the holidays to replace the old, I guess? Yeah. So for me, with the parenting thing, it was actually not even about replacing 
the rituals. It was about reclaiming them. And so I started, I, the basics start for me and where, you know, when I've worked with friends that are, or clients that are kind of going through this transition, I think the easiest spot is to realize that a lot of your favorite, my favorite, our favorite traditions are not actually owned by the church. They were taken. They are older than Christianity. And it's funny because I'll do a whole series of like posts and reels around the holidays about how Christmas is older than Christ and people get so <laughs> But it's, it's true <laughs> because it was all of the traditions that have become so nostalgic to us, especially in America, like Christmas trees and presents and caroling and lights and all of these beautiful things were from pagan nature-based festivals. So what I did was I started to take apart those things and figure out where they came from. And when I did, I went down this amazing, beautiful rabbit hole of these pre-Christian Northern European groups of people who were really nature-based and celebrated seasonal shifts. And they would have these festivals and Yule was the one that is for the winter solstice, which is where, you know, Christmas's traditions, a lot of them come from. And so when I was able to then disconnect it from it being a uniquely Christian thing, it was almost like it gave me permission to make it my own. It was like, oh, I'm not not stealing anything. I'm not doing anything like disrespectful or bad. In fact, the, this was taken from its original purpose anyway. So then the next layer is just figuring out what it is that I loved about the holiday, what it is that you love. And odds are it's, it's deeper than just the nativity story. And so for me, when I looked at what was special about the Christmas season, cause it's my favorite. I mean, I go, I go hard. Christmas is my favorite <laughs> holiday of the year. Like I'm, I'm right now battling with my family because they don't want me to put stuff up until after Thanksgiving. You know, I'm like that person <laughs> that's I'm like, let's go. It's time. Halloween's over. It's Christmas. time. <laughs> so, um, love I love it so much. And so for me, it was, it was about this idea of hope. Like when I think about Christmas, it's this idea of hope of light returning of the seasons changing from a very dark, cold, harsh time of year to spring, which was like everything blooming again, everything coming back and light returning. I mean, even at its core essence, the idea of like Jesus being the light, the sun returning to the world is is really tied to nature and this idea of winter solstice being the turning point where from that, that's the darkest day. It's the longest amount of of no sunlight that we have in the Northern hemisphere. And so from that point on, every day got longer. Every day had a few minutes more of sunlight, a few minutes more of warmth. And that's what the people celebrated. And that's that idea of the sun returning that was commandeered in, you know, the nativity story. And so for me, I was like, oh, it's, it's this idea of holding up with the people that are most important to you, having gratitude that you've made it through the darkest part, you've made it through the hardest part, and that light is coming back, that it always comes back, that spring always comes again. It's this hope of the rhythm, of the cycle of life, death, life, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring again. And I just found so much beauty in that idea. And then it was like all of the things started to fall into place. It was like the candles make sense. The lights make sense. Um, decorating the pine trees makes sense. Giving presents makes sense. Like all of it became this 
this deep, beautifully meaningful, significant thing when I looked at what's underneath, what's underneath all the nostalgic memories for me, what's underneath the Jesus story, even that alone, it's a story of hope and perseverance and making it through something to get to the point where it's like, okay, like we're going to be okay. We did it. We got through together and there's hope. So that was where it was for me. And then it just was like, okay, what, how do I take these and, and disconnect them from dogma and just make them really beautiful and meaningful? So for example, we celebrate Christmas in my house, even though we do a lot of um, Yule inspired things. So like we will roll beeswax candles a couple days before Christmas on actual winter Aww. solstice, um, me and the kids. And we'll just talk about like what that meant to the people that lived then who didn't have electricity on demand like we do. And like what it was like to have to have such a cold, dark time. And so we'll, we'll do the candles and we'll light candles all over the house. We make beeswax candles. We bake cookies together and we just talk about like how that was a time when everyone was, was using up their reserves and giving stuff to each other. And it was really community focused because that was the only way to get through was to just share and be together. And we do a lot of snuggly things like we have movie nights and mm -hmm. all, all of the fun Christmas stuff. The gift giving is all about gratitude and family and, um, taking something that's special to you and giving it to somebody else so that everybody is, is better off. And it just became, I mean, it went from a thing where Christmas was something that was so hard for me and so sad um, and depressing because it was like, I loved it so much and it had so much beauty to it that I felt like I couldn't access to so it's actually more beautiful and rich and deep now because I was able to look at what I loved about it and pull that out like through all of the muck and consumerism and religion and dogma and like I was able to pull the depths that were important to me out so for anybody that's listening if you're in this spot why is Christmas and that season so meaningful to you like go underneath all of the fluff and what are the key feelings that you enjoy feeling is it togetherness is it gratitude is it hope like have you been in a dark time and you're grasping on to like I need to know there's a light at the end of the tunnel like I need to celebrate that it's a, this is a dark time I need something to get excited about um, and figure out what that is for you and then just start there. You can even go online. You can look up like what are the, what's the history of this tradition? Or you can come to our, to my session where I'm going to be sharing a little bit about like some of the really big ones and the stories of how those traditions came to be a part of the Christmas traditions we know now and what they started as and, and what they meant to people way back even before the church. Um, decided that Christmas was around winter solstice time. And so you may have some inspiration from that to just kind of take it and make it your own. And the last tip is just try not to do everything in one year. This was something that I did over the course of a few years. And I think if you just take the pressure off of yourself, it makes it so much better. Like you don't have to reclaim your entire holiday the first year you leave the church. Like, can you find one thing? So for us, the first thing we did was we started rolling beeswax candles and you can buy those beeswax sheets from like Amazon or craft stores. It's the easiest craft of all time. And you just roll them up with a wick in them and you can light them and put them on your table and give them as gifts. And it's just this fun little thing. So that was one, like the, one of the very first things that we did just for us. And then we just built on it every year. We kind of like took another thing back, took another thing back, took another thing back. So now multiple years in the holiday feels like ours. I love that. 
I love the idea, even like the beeswax candle and the the symbolism behind it. I think that's beautiful. And I hope that everybody mm -hmm. out there listening is taking notes. Just because we leave the church doesn't mean we have to leave the best parts of the holidays behind. And so make sure mm -hmm. that you register for a deconstructed holiday and make sure to come to Becca's session because if you love this, then you're really gonna love her session. And I'm so excited for everyone to hear it. Um, Becca, where can people find you on Instagram and all the socials? Tell us where everyone can find you. I'm really easy to find. The easiest place to find me is at Becca Robinson, B-E-C-K-A, Robinson, just my name. Um, my podcast is linked there. All my resources are linked there. You can get on my email list and that way you'll get stuff like my holiday seasonal things. So it's just, it's like the home base <laughs> for everything and you can come connect with me there. I love it. Okay, well, thank you so much, Becca, for coming on today. I cannot wait for your session and uh, everybody out there, make sure you register and I will see you there. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. If you have not already registered for a deconstructed holiday, head to our show notes and click on the link to register on Crowdcast. We can't wait to see you there. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, follow us at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.